This is the More Than a Drunk Podcast. My name is Joseph. Welcome. I suppose it's time that uh, I share a little little honesty with you guys. Last few months recording, recording I have not gone to plan. Uh, only gotten a, a handful of episodes out there. When I, I try to get one out every week or two, life has been busy and hectic and school. Thankfully, school's now over. My parents' 50th wedding anniversary is over, so the stuff I was doing with that is done. And now, you know, we just have the kids home from school every day. Um, the holiday season's coming up. So, you know, that'll be easy, right? The other the other reason, and it's... and I, who knows if it's less of a reason or more of a reason that I've been delayed in getting episodes out is it is really challenging for me to come on here and talk about recovery when when my my path has been uh, at least for me relatively you know I haven't uh, thankfully I'm over six months now no relapses or anything uh, cravings are few and far between now um, and just it hasn't been anywhere near as hard as uh, I expected, nor has it been near as hard as a lot of other people I hear from when it comes to all of this. And then when you comp- compound that with, you know, my decision to quit alcohol wasn't based on hitting absolute rock bottom because I was in jail or destroyed a car, lost a job, any of those kind of things. And it's 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 a challenge to try and talk to you when I have the self-doubt of what well, was I really addicted and you know what what right do I have to come on and talk about things with all of this saying that to you guys terrifies me that you know you're, you're gonna hear it and say oh my god why are we listening to this guy turn it off now but I mean that's that's the honest truth I feel like at least my life needs a little more of that me being uh, who I am. And part of who I am is someone who doubts himself a lot. All of that leads into uh, today's topic uh, of vulnerability. Now, obviously, what, what I just said to you guys, it's, it's 100% truthful. It's also a great example of vulnerability to where I put out, you know, I, I put out my feelings and fears and all of those and all of that stuff. I just I put it out there and I have no idea how you're going to react. Uh, I have no idea if that gives me credibility or if it completely destroys whatever credibility I had, it's a little scary. And when you, I mean, I think scary and vulnerability kind of go hand in hand because usually people only feel vulnerable or associate vulnerability with scary situations. I mean, imagine the most vulnerable thing you can think of that is probably like a little, little baby deer, little fawn sitting in a meadow and mama deer has ran off because, you know, there's a there's a cougar or um, just anything has spooked her and she ran off. Now that little baby deer is just laying there completely helpless until the mom comes back or it gets eaten. One or the, one or the other. And I think it's a common thing is, is people think, you know, weak or scared, childish, danger, risk. Do you ever think of things like brave or courage, strength? Probably not, but... In order to have those things, you have to be vulnerable. Imagine, you know, I grew up, uh, I was about 10 or so when the first Gulf War happened. And I remember the scenes where it was, you know, the, that green and black night vision. And there, there you could see the soldiers running. 
and there was bullets flying in the air and all that kind of stuff and you immediately think oh that's super courageous of them or you see footage of like the d-day landings and the guys storming the beach that's they have so much courage i could never have that much courage part of it is they didn't have much of a choice thanks to military service uh military service is good at that removing any choice you have the other part of it is they are 100 percent being vulnerable really is nothing more vulnerable than that, putting your entire life on the line for something else. And that's, that's I mean, that's part of the definition. And, and I'll, I'll read the definition here, uh, it, as, I, as I like to do from time to time. Um, vulnerability is, and I quote, the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. There's a lot in there. A lot of different ways that you can you can take it, you can look at it, you can analyze it. Um, Brene Brown, uh, who uh, my wife turned me on to well, probably a year year or two ago, uh, she's she has a TEDx video out there, a TED Talk video, one of the two, um, talking about vulnerability. And I think she has a book out, and that's that's how she's making her mark in the world, talking about vulnerability. And for for her, she talks a lot about uncertainty, risk, emotional exposure. Um, heck, the, the the entire idea for this podcast was my wife mentioning her and vulnerability as it related to a work situation I was going through, where um, things things weren't going my way for a period of time. I needed to be vulnerable and open up to my manager about you know some of the things that were going on, so that way she could understand my boss can understand maybe a little bit of why why i was having a rough time and that it wasn't just because i didn't care or i had no interest in whatever so that way she had something to work with now that took vulnerability uh, that was a risk you know saying to her like hey you know these are the things i have going on it's really easy to i mean ultimately they're all excuses because, uh, I mean, an excuse is just something to excuse the behavior. That doesn't make the behavior acceptable. It just it explains it, and then you can work around that and move forward. And it's amazing. Since, since I did that, my boss has seemed to be a little more understanding, a little, maybe not understanding or forgiving, but it seems to have kind of flipped it around to where, again, you know, I'm not, you know, I care. I want to do a good job. It's just... You know, I've I, I've had some struggles, and I'm working through them, and and I want to do better, as I like to say, I want to make tomorrow better than today. You know, there's a big difference between someone who wants to do that and someone who just says, I don't give a shit. And part of that difference is vulnerability, being able to open yourself up to say, you know, this is where I fail. Like with me, organization, big one, uh, focus, um, applying myself when the topic isn't interesting or is it sufficiently challenging uh, those are all things that that i struggle with and so understanding that being vulnerable about it being open about it allows me to make tomorrow better than today and i think vulnerability is one of the key things about it is it allows you to be you if you're not vulnerable then you're constantly trying to be what you think everyone around you wants to be or what society says you should be instead of being yourself and there's two references i want to tie to that uh, the first one is, it's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, which is, it, it's a show about cops, but it's a comedy. It has like Andy Samberg and, and a few other people uh, in it. But Andy Samberg, he, he's a comedian. Anyway, 
uh, one of the characters comes out as bisexual. And the captain of the precinct, he's uh, an openly gay man. And the person who came out as bisexual, she was very nervous about it. And one of the lines he said was, anytime someone stands up and says, this is who I am, makes the world a better and more interesting place. Now, in that case, the, the detective who was bisexual, her parents, very, you know, very old school. When she came out to them, they didn't accept it at all. Um, so it was very vulnerable of her to share that information, but it allowed her to be herself. I have someone in my life that I think they're hiding who they are based on the approval of others. And it makes them an incredibly miserable person. It makes them an incredibly insufferable person. And and the sad part is that they're 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 very smart, they're very capable, and that they have they have a lot to offer. But the anger of not being able to be vulnerable, to be who they are, clouds all of that. It's kind of like in the in the uh, the Lego Movie where um, Emmett, the main character, constantly throughout his life, he he dresses the way that that society says you should dress and listens to all the popular music and eats at the popular restaurants and and just all of those things and he's constantly saying yeah no i love that too and they and and something happens to where like he's exposed not exposed but um he gets blamed for this this terrible awful thing happening and they they go around interviewing all of his friends quote-unquote friends and they're all like oh who's that Oh, Emmett? I I don't know anything about Emmett. Does anybody know anything about Emmett? And they all say, no, 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 we don't. who's that guy? Who's Emmett? And that's because Emmett could never be... Er, Emmett never allowed himself to be himself. He was always molding himself for what other people wanted. And that allows you to disappear from people around you. That, that makes it incredibly difficult to have close relationships and for for years i've done that i've i've constantly molded myself to whatever situation i'm in like oh here's who i am heck around my parents i have a hard time being as silly as i normally am because you know parental approval and all that kind of stuff and that makes it that makes it hard to go back and see them because then i'm like oh god now i have to i have to put on this whole charade and i can't do this and i can't do that and the last couple of years, I've really tried hard to be myself around them. And it makes it much more enjoyable to be back there. But going back to uh, the definition there, one of the words I want to focus in on is uh, possibility, right? The quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being harmed. When we expose who we are, that's, that's kind of the action of being vulnerable. There's that potential of being harmed. 99.9% of the time, nothing will happen when you are who you are. I mean, look at, uh, like, Robin Williams. He was a crazy buffoon, and people loved him. There are some people that hated him. Yeah, sure. I always like to say that, at least I try to tell myself, that if someone's going to have a negative opinion of who I am based on me being myself, I don't want them as a friend anyway. And practicing that over and over and over helps me realize that the possibility of being harmed is incredibly small. Because in that case, if they make fun of me, or if they tease me, or if they don't like me, I am out nothing. Because they are not someone that, that I want to be friends with anyway. So there's no harm, no foul. I'm mean, sure, you know, if, if they make fun of me in that moment, it might not feel good. 
but that says more about them than it does me. With addiction, it requires a great deal of vulnerability. One, to accept that you have an addiction. I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of labeled, if you will, fairly or unfairly, whatever you want, as like a massive personal fault, flaw, a massive failure uh, in being a human being. And like I said, it's, it's fair or unfair, whatever you want to call it. But that's, I think that's a lot of the perception behind it. And so just, just admitting like, and I know for myself, just admitting that I was addicted to alcohol, it was something I'd known for a very long time. But actually admitting it was, was tough because then it, 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 and especially when you admit it to other people, it's one thing to admit it to yourself, but then when you have to tell your wife or your husband or family members, friends, whatever it is, that kind of cements it in. Right? then that immediately becomes part of who you are. Otherwise, you think you can hide it. For most people, you can't hide it. And of course, when, when you share that with people, I mean, you think you run the risk of them ostracizing you, of them ridiculing you, of them not liking you. I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. But again, if, if you can't share that with people and, and they can't stick by you, how good of friends are they? They're not really good friends. I know since, since I've come out um, with, with my struggles, I'm sure there's people that don't talk to me anymore because of it, but I haven't noticed. Um, I know much more positive things, you know, where people come out and say, oh, you know, that's incredibly brave of you to say that. Uh, you know, it must take a lot of courage. I didn't know you, you struggle with that. That takes a lot of strength to battle against it. Um, or just, you know, straight up support from, from other people I know that have gone through it. It's funny, I was talking with one of my uncles uh, about it. And, and he, he struggled with alcohol. And I, I, from what I've learned, he got sober when he was 27. So he's been sober for almost 40 years now. I fear I've been taking recovery far too seriously because we were, we were joking about it and, and having a laugh and having a good time. And that wouldn't have been possible had I not been vulnerable to expose that to people. I was able to see a lighter side of all of this and joke about it. And, and I, I think and to, to me, maybe that's, maybe that's even a, a key part of recovery is, is being able to joke about being addicted. Anyway, and of course, you know, the other part of that definition is, is the physical harm. You know, there, there, there's a fear of, you know, of people not liking you, uh, people making fun of you, talking about you behind your back, all those kind of things. Uh, there's also some fear perhaps of, of people becoming violent. God, I, I don't know how often it happens with addiction. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's much more common when, you know, if, if you have a couple and they're both addicted to something and one of them says, I'm quitting, the other one gets super defensive about it. You know, there could be some physical stuff going on there, but odds are what, what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis is no more risky than what people who fought for civil rights, people who fought for women's suffrage, for the end of slavery, for freedom all around the world, whatever it is, it's certainly not that dangerous. But to us, it's just as important, you know, getting sober and being open and, and honest about it. That's just as important because it's, I mean, it's our very lives on the lines when we do it. And when we open up to other people, one, that makes us accountable to stay on the right track. And two, it allows us to get the support that we need to recover. So, I mean, I like to look at struggles other people have had to draw strength from them. You know, you look back to someone like Rosa Parks, 
um, or or really any member of, of you know the '60s civil rights movement, and they were constantly beaten and thrown in jail. Uh, countless black people were were hung or or brutally uh, assaulted and murdered just because they wanted to be treated equal. Now, if they can make themselves that vulnerable to be put in that situation for what they believed, I can do the same thing for what I believe in. And right now that is recovering, getting past all of it. And I certainly, you know, there's no one going around beating up other alcoholics. There's no one going around imprisoning other alcoholics or killing other alcoholics because they're trying to recover. Generally, it's the opposite. Generally, people, you know, when you when you open up about being an alcoholic, they will support you. They will, you know, if it's a work function, they'll say, oh, maybe we shouldn't have it at a bar because Joseph is an alcoholic and we should have it somewhere else. Or maybe we should make sure that there's non-alcoholic options available because there's, you know, so-and-so is recovering. You know, all those kind of things. You get support. So knowing that people have faced far worse odds than I do, and I'm likely to only get support, that makes being vulnerable a little bit easier. Being open and honest about it, you know, when you look at the other side, when you look at the consequences of it, there's far more positive consequences than there are negative consequences to being open about it. And again, if if someone, if you come out to someone and say, you know what, I struggle with alcohol, I struggle with meth or heroin or whatever it is, if they flip you the bird and walk away, that's... I would say that's a positive consequence. They're not someone that, that you need in your life. In fact, they were probably enabling your addiction. And going back to the example of, you know, the soldiers in wartime, you know, a lot of people like to think that bravery, you know, there's no fear behind it because they're so brave. They're so courageous. They weren't afraid of it. Uh, having served myself, no, there is there is fear. And I, I certainly wasn't facing the kind of odds the guys did on Omaha Beach on June 6th, which is D-Day, by the way. Um, I wasn't facing those odds, but there were still times where, where I was afraid, where, where there was fear, where, you know, you look out into the night and you hear someone shooting and you have no idea if they're shooting at you or not, or if, you know, what's going to happen, but you stay there and you are determined to guard whatever post you have. So the fear is there. It's saying, you know what, I'm going to take this fear. I'm going to channel it into something positive. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to put my right foot in front of my left foot and then my left foot in front of my right foot and keep on going with that until I'm done with this. And that, ultimately, that's that's just life, right? None of us know what's going to happen five minutes from now, let alone five years from now. But you put your left foot in front of your right foot, right foot in front of your left foot, you just kind of keep on doing that until eventually five years have happened, and now, now you're looking forward to the next five years. I mean, realistically, no matter what you do, right, right? So, so we're afraid to be vulnerable because we're afraid of the consequences of that. But no matter what, there's consequences. You know, if you keep drinking because you're too afraid to admit that you're an alcoholic, well, you're going to get cirrhosis. You're going to have, you know, get DUIs. You're going to hurt somebody else. Uh, at, at the very least, you're shortening your lifespan because you didn't want to be vulnerable to seek help to quit. So see, there, there's the consequence. It's, it's much more delayed. And in the meantime, you get to keep feeding Evil Brain whatever it, it desires there. And then, of course, Evil Brain just kind of eventually chips away at, at whatever happiness you have. Heck, take a look at, uh, like, when I, when I started this podcast. So, so I kind of, I, I came clean about drinking publicly and the podcast kind of all at the same time. 
and I was I was terrified. I had two things to be terrified about there. One was the drinking part of it. And the other part was the podcast because I was putting out there in the world kind of more or less my unfiltered thoughts. And that's scary. And actually, I, I had a friend uh, shortly after I did that came to me and s- said that he was really inspired by it. And he was he marveled at, at how I had so much courage to be able to to do these kind of things, to do the podcast, to, to quit drinking. And previously, I'd done stand-up comedy, and I've done acting, and I do woodworking, and just all of these things that I do that I'm terrified that people will judge me for. And he's flipped it 180 degrees on its head and said, you know, I'm really proud that you do those things. That inspires me. It makes me feel more likely to do what I want to do. And so being honest and being open about yourself makes the world a better and more interesting place. And ultimately, you know, if if I didn't do the stand-up comedy, if I didn't do the podcast, the acting, all those kind of things, I would sit there and, you know, I'd have the, the, the constant thought of, you know, what if? What if I would have started this five years ago? And where would I be now? And, you know, what if I had quit drinking earlier? Or, you know, what if I didn't stop drinking? Or all of these kind of things. Or take today's episode, for example. You know, I sit here and I sit on it and I sit on it and I sit on it and I constantly say, I need to do that. I need to do it. I want to do it, which I will say that is a powerful way to change your thinking. Change it from I need to to I want to. And you'll you'll be surprised how much it changes your attitude towards things and how much easier it is to start things that are scary. When you say I want to, even if maybe you don't want to, but you know you need to. You can eventually flip your brain around to saying, I want to do this. Human brain is a, is, is a marvelous thing. Uh, I always joke about how, well, like with my ADHD, it, it's like there's two people inside my head. One, and in, in normal people, like they make decisions jointly. But in my brain, only one of them makes the decisions regardless of what the other one wants. And that other one is is me and what I want to do and believe and all those kind of things. Um I get weird looks when I say that, when I say there's multiple people in my brain. I don't know why. You're going to be more vulnerable if you're not vulnerable. Because then you're constantly having to decide what other people want. And you could get that way wrong. Or you could be like Emmett, and then nobody knows who you are when you really need something. Now, the possibility of being harmed has become a certainty. You know, if you become homeless and now no one really cares about you because you've never been yourself, so they don't know who you are, uh, they're not likely to help. Now, being vulnerable doesn't mean that uh, you overshare. You know, you don't want to be that lady at work that goes on and on and on and on about her goiter. Rachel, you, I don't care about your goiter. I don't. I don't even know what a goiter is, really. And Rachel doesn't exist. But we all have that person at work or in our lives somewhere that uh, shares details about themselves that's far too graphic. So being vulnerable, that's opening up your, your, your honest feelings and your truths. Oversharing is it's a coping mechanism. It's a crutch. It's really it's, it's no different than alcohol. It, it's something you use to hide who you really are. Vulnerability allows, allows people to trust you, whereas oversharing demands people demands that people trust you there's there, there, there's a big difference there it's it's much like being yourself when you're yourself you let other people make the decision whether or not they like you 
when you're not vulnerable, when you fake it, when you try to be who you think they are, that tells other people that they have to like you. And, and I think the, the big difference between vulnerability and oversharing is, at least, at least for myself, it, it's whether or not your story still owns you. So for, my, for myself, like, like the, first, the first month or two of recovery, had I really gone public with what I was going through, I would have been likely to overshare and go way out there. Hell, I probably still do. Because at the time, my, my entire life and my entire way of thinking and all of that was still wrapped up in alcohol and addiction and recovery. So being open with people that I wasn't particularly close with would have, would have led to far, far more information coming out than what was necessary. Now it's, it's far more easy to just say, you know what, I can't drink. I had a problem. Or have a problem, however you want to phrase that. If you're looking at, and especially with your recovery, if you're looking at it and you're saying, you know what, I still think about it 24-7, that's when you want to find close friends, family, maybe a therapist, at least someone that you can pay money to so that way if you're oversharing, well, they can help you tone that down. Or at least work through the issues so that way you can get past your story owning you. And part of that then teaches you how to be vulnerable if you're not used to it or if you need to switch from being from being an oversharer from being a karen to to being you because it's not something that happens overnight and hell i'm still working on it Uh, i'm not good at it for for years and years and years like i said i've i've been someone who constantly molds themselves into being who i think the people around me want to be rather than just being myself and it's hard, you know. It, it's like developing that positive inner monologue, or um, or being kinder to yourself, or the road to recovery. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something you constantly have to work on and remind yourself that you are enough. You are good enough. You are smart enough. You're you're interesting enough to just be yourself. And it may even help figuring out where you're already being vulnerable. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you're a salesman who, you know, you're going door to door. You know, going in and, and presenting, you're being vulnerable every single time you do that. Because the person can say no, they could kick you out of their house. But there's going to be times where they say yes. And so then you can take that, take those experiences and build off that where you're already vulnerable. Start applying that to other places in your life. Uh, it's not easy. Because uh, then you will, you will go through periods of oversharing. Uh, Some of that's inevitable, I think. Ultimately, being vulnerable, and when it happens, even if something negative happens, like let's say you expose yourself as a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, and then someone immediately hates you because you are that way. Well, you've just figured out someone that you don't need to be friends with because once they hear one thing about you, they immediately label the rest of the stuff with you. So that's a positive outcome. And I think some of it, as you're going through this and developing it, focusing on the positives is important. So that way you can build on it and build on it and build on it. You don't want to forget or, or gloss over the negatives. You know, m- maybe you did overshare. Maybe you said it in at the wrong moment or in the wrong context or any of these kind of things. So you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, this is what I could do better next time. But ultimately, you were who you were. And if it didn't come out perfectly, that's fine. It's not always going to. Even if you're Bill, Bill Murray, who goes out and does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Um, you know, there's, I'm sure, times where he looks at it and says, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I could have done this differently. 
But you know what he does? The next day he goes out and does what he wants to do. And so that I think, I think being vulnerable and being yourself, if nothing else, will help you to, well, it will help you on your road to recovery. Because for me, at least, it, it helps remove one of the things that is kind of a trigger point for my drinking. Because when you can't be yourself, then that adds stress to your life and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And it makes it so then your, your refuge, your escape, your safe place from that is getting drunk. Or you use getting drunk as a reason to be yourself because, and God, God knows I did that a lot. Where, you know, you, you go out to the bar and you're like, oh, I, w- I want to meet a woman tonight. And, and I very much thought that way, which probably doomed anything, uh, anything, I, anything else I would do that evening. Anyway, um, I would use the alcohol as a crutch to be myself because it allowed me to loosen up. And in, inevitably, what would happen was, I mean, sure, yeah, you know, I'd start off the night kind of tight. And then there's that point in there where you're loose and, and you can you can be kind of the unfiltered version of yourself and then it keeps going and you go too far and now all of a sudden you're you're blackout drunk so really that's the problem with that is there's no way especially when you're addicted there's no way to learn from that you know it's not like next time i'm gonna say okay i need exactly five beers in 75 minutes and then that's perfect no because when you're addicted and you're drinking to be yourself 105 times out of 100 you're going to go too far and fall off the fall off the deep end whereas if you can just practice being vulnerable being yourself you'll figure it out and if nothing else at the end of the day you're yourself and that's all you can be and you know what that's good enough regardless of what anyone else says it's good enough just just be yourself no matter who that is uh i'm pulling for you i i think you can do it i i think anyway you know if nothing else I think you can be vulnerable enough to open up to other people about your about your addiction. You can open up to yourself about your addiction. Um, and only in doing that will you then start the path of recovery. Otherwise, you're always hiding, and you will never be the person you want to be. So, like I said, I am I'm pulling for you. I really am. Um, I really do hope for the best for you. I think you can do it. I think you can go out there and you can be you can be vulnerable and the world will not end. It may not be comfortable. But it seems like most things that are worth doing, that are good for your mental health, that are good for angel brain, um, it seems like those things aren't easy and they're uncomfortable. And I'm hoping at some point they become comfortable. I haven't quite reached that part yet. Anyway, um, just know that for today, I will not drink with you. And uh, have a good one. Thank you for listening today. Um, I'm still in the midst of, of trying out several different, like, like I think I said in the episode, uh, I'm not a very organized person. 
and sometimes I can ramble and get off the rails and then I forget where I was at and trying to trying to loop back around and all those kind of things. So I'm still working through all of that and trying some new technology stuff. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, it uh, like I said, hopefully hopefully it helps someone out there. If if you want to reach out to me, if, if you want to share, if if you need someone to practice being vulnerable on, uh, shoot me a line. Uh, I, I read everything that comes in. I respond to to, to most things. Uh, and it's more than a drunk at gmail.com. Again, more than a drunk at gmail.com. Um, it'll be in the show notes and, and on the website and all those kind of things as well. So yeah, just just reach out. You know, even if it's just say hello, uh, it it really picks up my day when I get an email, um, knowing that at least for someone out there making an impact. And uh, until next time, uh, have a good one. I'm pulling for you.